Welcome to Proudly Asian, a podcast series that tells bold and proud stories of Asians by Asians. I'm Isabel Wong, a financial journalist who wants to uncover the many Asian stories around us that are waiting to be told. There's never just one way to look at Asians. This podcast will take you through a deep dive into the life stories, struggles, and triumphs of young Asians around the world. On today's episode, we have Nelson Tu, a Burmese entrepreneur who is the co-founder of Common Abode and Hong Kong's first Burmese restaurant, Club Rangoon. Born and raised in Yangon, Nelson talks to us about growing up in Myanmar and what we could learn about Burmese culture through its food. Welcome back to Proudly Asian. Now, the month of July marks our very own Proudly Asian Food Month, where we will be in talks with Asian chefs and food entrepreneurs around the world to learn more about Asian cuisines that are not as well known or understood. So, to kick off this very special month, we have Nelson Tu, co-founder of Common Abode and Hong Kong's only Burmese restaurant. Welcome to Proudly Asian, Nelson. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on the show because I think a lot of us will agree that in terms of Myanmar, it's kind of like a country that's not very widely understood, let alone its people, its culture, and also its food. And for the times that you know the world would hear about Myanmar, it would usually be about the political situation. So hopefully through this conversation with you, our listeners will be able to understand a little bit more about Myanmar, its cuisine, and also its culture. But to get the conversation started, I just want to learn a little bit more about your background. Who are you? What are you? And where did you grow up? Yeah, for sure. So my name is Nelson. Um, I'm born and raised in Yangon. Um, so I grew up there mainly until I was uh, 14. And then um, we moved to Singapore when, um, when I turned 14 for, to do my high school there. And then afterwards, I went to, I went to London for my university and then I came to Hong Kong for, for to do my postgraduate um, in, a, in business at Hong Kong Baptist University. So after I finished there, I saw a lot of like, you know, FNB in Hong Kong. I really love the city. I love being in Hong Kong. And I decided that, you know, there's all these types of different cuisine in Hong Kong and why not Burmese? So that's what really brought me into, you know, like kind of representing my cuisine and, and being in Hong Kong itself as well. Yeah. Did you start a Burmese restaurant because you also couldn't really find Burmese food in Hong Kong, technically? Yeah, definitely. A part of me was missing missing our dishes, right? And I was like, where else can I get it? There's nowhere really to get it. And I was like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe like all the Hong Kong is missing it too. So uh, just to see the market, I know we don't have a big community of Burmese people here, but uh, that also made me want to kind of represent the, the culture and the cuisine to, to people that are not Burmese in Hong Kong. That's fantastic. We'll get into a little bit more about the concept of the restaurant and the entire founding story a little bit later in the conversation. But you mentioned you were born and raised in Yangon. So I just want to know how many languages do you speak? And, you know, what was it like growing up in Yangon? Um, so I basically I speak two, two languages, Burmese um, and English. I read and write Burmese as well. Um, I think growing up in Yangon and, and Singapore, they were, I would say, kind of like two totally different experiences. Like I was in, like I said, I was in Myanmar about until I was 14 years old, like in terms of school, like I was attending like my townships, like public school until the fourth grade. 
And then I was privileged enough to be transferred to like an international school. So education wise, uh, every, a lot of change wise and for, for Burma. But back then I remember like local schools were very, very much centered around like, you know, learning from the textbook and things like that. But I have a lot of, you know, memorable experiences from local schools and, and public schools as well. I think some of the most memorable, it, like I said, it was a very different experience. So it's, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of students in one classes and, and yeah, it was, it was really interesting and to see the contrast in that as well. Um, yeah, I think we moved to basically moved to Singapore, like, you know, as most Asian parents might really wanted to excel in, in academics, right? So because of this priority, we moved to Singapore for even more of an international and holistic education um, as well. Yeah. That's interesting. And what was the key difference in terms of the education systems in Myanmar and Singapore? Would you say the one in Singapore is definitely way more competitive or it's kind of similar? I think the Burmese education system is competitive in its own sense. But um, I think being moving to Singapore, I would say, kind of opened my eyes a little bit more. I became more open-minded with the international experience. And like I said, I went to international school, met a lot of different types of people from different backgrounds, different nationalities. So that made me really want to, you know, explore and and also, you know, showcase my culture um, to them as well. So that really stood out to me. Um, I went to a school where there's not many Burmese people um, as well. So that really made me feel a bit like, okay, they don't really know about Burma. So that, that concept has always kind of been in my in my head for a while, yeah. And as someone who grew up in Yangon, what do kids in Burma do for fun? And, you know, what, what would be some of the experiences that would bond most people who grew up in um, Myanmar? I think for kids in Burma, I mean, as, as I want to say, like, it's a lot, a lot to do with food. Um, I mean, even families, kids, like every... You know, every weekend, all the families would get together, have a have a meal. And, and those are the those are the main things that bond. Like even if I go back to, you know, go back to visit Burma, the main things that we would do straight away if we land in the daytime at night, there's a dinner with the whole family there. So I think food is pretty much in the center of, of bonding for, for Burmese people. Nice. And going back to your life story, now you're kind of like a serial entrepreneur. You dabbled in the businesses of fashion, men's grooming, and now eventually F&B. I just want to know, those industries and those fields are not necessarily linked to each other, right? So what was the motivation that got you starting your own business in those fields? I mean, coming out of like a, a business management meant kind of school um, and environment, these were kind of like more passion projects. Like, for example, I started a small clothing brand called Legion at the time, which came from my love for clothes and fashion. It's more like streetwear inspired brand, but at the same time, it reflected the love for my country. So it was also a way to bring the streetwear cu culture to Burma and vice versa. And in terms of men's grooming, it was a project I started with a group of friends. Um, like really good friends back then. And then as as a way to try and fill in the gap in the market for hairdressing and grooming and in Burma, I think both of these things really set a good foundation to set into hospitality and more represent like representing Myanmar in that field. So even with the streetwear brand, I was kind of, you know, not just putting random graphics or whatever thing. So there was always something that related to Burma, like representing the culture of Burma or like just little nick and knack things that, that I could show the world what, what the country is about. And growing up, who really influenced you the most? And what are some of the key lessons that you learned from that person? If I had to pick one person, I would say it'd be my grandma, um, who had the biggest influence on me. She was really, really always 
passionate about food and cooking. And to this day, like always thinking of others, I would say in terms of making sure they've eaten. Basically, like I think the biggest lesson I've learned is probably the kindness and the generosity and the willingness to give to others. Like she's ready to feed whoever is in the house, you know, just her passion for cooking as well. And like, let's say if we, we were going to have dinner and it's around 7 p.m., she would rather, instead of just, you know, giving dinner to one person, you would make sure everyone in the house is ready to eat and then we would have dinner. So just the, the kindness and the willingness to give really is an inspiration to me. And you continue the legacy of your grandma. Now you're also feeding the international community with Burmese foods, which I would like to understand the culture a little bit more through its cuisine. Because for decades, I remember reading a magazine previously, it said that there was just a single Burmese restaurant in the entire city of New York. And you also founded the first Burmese restaurant in Hong Kong. So it's fair to say there's kind of a bit of a lack of representation in terms of Burmese food and its culture in the international community. So could you tell us essentially what is Burmese food and what are some of the most common dishes and ingredients? I would say Burmese food is just full of character. Um, it's very, very diverse in its flavors and a lot of influences from the neighboring countries like Thailand, India, China. Um, it's spicy, tangy, sweet, bitter, like it's all there. Um, I think Burma being a, a very big country is made up of seven states and seven divisions. So each kind of state and division have their own, you know, flavors as well. I think in terms of flavor, savory tends to dominate the cuisine. Um, even dessert dishes tend to have some sort of savory element to it. Um, more than just its flavors, Burmese cuisine at its core, I really believe, celebrates the custom of eating communally. Um, traditional meals like tend to consist of just like some rice, some curry dish, a light soup, some sort of relish um, as well, and accompaniments like ngapi. It's like a fermented fish paste, um, which is very widely eaten um, among the among the country as well. I think. With all these different types of dishes, communal eating, you know, is, is a norm. Um, I think everyone shares, everyone sits around the table sharing all the dishes, family style. Um, yeah, it's very comforting to me as well. Um, some, I would say some major dishes, most popular dishes would include lapeto. So that's a fermented tea leaf salad. It's very distinct. Yes, it's very refreshing. So it's basically like tea leaf that you, you know, people used to drink tea, but in Burma, we ferment it and turn it into a salad with like cabbage, you know, chilies and different, um, you know, veg vegetables. So yeah, that's a very popular dish and Club Rangoon as, as well. Um, I would say though, our national dish is Mohenga, which is like a, a, a rice noodle soup dish and a catfish broth. So something like what a pho would be to the Vietnamese, like there's like a laksa, but we have our own version of a noodle soup. Um, as well. I think it's very common in Burma. People eat it for breakfast, lunch, dinner, um, pretty much any time of the day. And yeah, it's one of my favorite dishes as well. Nice. And just a follow-up question, in terms of breakfast in Burma, is it also quite common for people to eat some rice dish like many other Asian countries? Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite common, even though if I if I go back, like, you know, if for breakfast, we even, I remember waking up to school and we would usually just have like a fried rice, some sort of fried rice with like just chickpeas and beans and then like a little sunny side up egg on top and that'd be breakfast. So it's quite common to kind of eat carbs um, as well for, for breakfast. Yeah. 
Yeah, you got to get all the energy to kickstart yeah. the day. <laughs> and you mentioned a little bit about your restaurant, Club Rangoon. So I just want to know the story behind the creation of the restaurant. What was the thought process that went into creating this concept and its menu? Um, I think my relationship with Burmese food has very always been quite personal. Like I think moving away from at a young age, like I said, when I was fourteen and going to university in in London, I think. Burmese food became a, a source of like comfort and safety for me. So like, even when I remember when I go visit back home, my mom would just pack me a lot of like Tupperware of Burmese food and I have to kind of bring it in. And then if I'm hungry and if I miss home, I just pour a little bit, a little bit and put it with rice and I'll just go at it. So yeah, it became, you know, also, um, you know, more of a obvious thing that there is a clear gap in, within the FMB industry that when it came to Burmese cuisine. So it was either completely like unheard of or it was never exactly as how I expected it to be. Um, so I'm always kind of fascinated by new and different, you know, culinary ex experiences. So every time that I dined out, I became more inspired to kind of showcase the cuisine. Um, so I decided that after my studies that, you know, my next step would be to put the cuisine on the map. Yeah. I think menu wise, I wanted to keep it a bit more approachable. So putting all the classic dishes that I myself love and find it timeless. Um, so in a way, we offer different, you know, range of dishes that that would be really delicious and a good welcoming getaway to Burmese, Burmese cuisine, especially for people who've never tried it before. Um, I think a lot of dishes on the menu is something that I would definitely eat with home with my family. Um, and I think it's very, very loved by the Burmese community as well. Wow, that's amazing. And I mean, for first timers who try out Burmese food for the first time, like your customers at your restaurant, what are some of their usual reactions when they get to try your dishes? And are there any dishes that are particularly popular or something that would take people by surprise? I think there's been a few people like that that it came by, right? There's two, usually you get two types of customers where they've never heard of Burma or someone who's been to Burma once or twice, traveled there and tried a dish there, but they haven't been able to find it anywhere. So I think it's really been, you know, nice to be that go-to spot for like most more familiar people that knows the cuisine. Um, and it's really nice to see that, you know, our dishes remind them of their, their travels and, you know, their experiences back in Burma as well. So I think there's also a lot of customers on the other spectrum who have never heard of it. Very curious to learn more and get the taste of the cuisine. Um, but overall, I'd say it's been quite positive in that most people come into Club Rangoon with an open mind, ready to try something that they've never tried and going away with like new favorite flavors. I think maybe one dish that wowed them the most would be the lapeto, the tea leaf salad. Um, it's a very popular choice at Club Rangoon. Both, both among the regulars and the newcomers. Um, it's a very, very unique introduction to the cuisine. Um, a lot of texture from the pickled tea leaves and the crunchiness from the broad beans and the peas. It's a really, really nice starting dish to, to get to know the cuisine. I'm curious to try it out as well when I get to visit your restaurant because as a fellow tea lover, I'm always curious about all the tea-infused recipes right. and also like tea-related food. So I'll definitely go check it out. But... I know that during the Myanmar protest that started back in 2021, you made efforts to raise awareness about the events that unfolded in Burma by launching an Order for Peace menu. Can you tell us a little bit more about the initiative? Um, I think the Order for Peace menu was sort of like an immediate response to what was happening in Myanmar and to raise awareness for the crowd that was coming in. 
Um, it was essentially a separate menu that was served alongside our regular menu. And instead instead of the menu, it's the layout's exactly the same. And instead of the food items that are listed on the menu, um, it was a, a concise summary of events from February 1st when the coup began and touching upon like the Burmese history, immediate situation, what was gone there. And, you know, and the next column would include like, what can you do? What can you do to help? And that kind of prompted the readers to sign like a petition and um, and what that was active back then and, you know, where they can follow to get the news and different links that they can donate as well. Um, for me, I, I really wanted to do something like that just because I thought it's really important that those who come to dine in um, and enjoying the food are also aware of the ongoing situation. Um, so the menu was designed for guests to come in for the Burmese food and go home with the knowledge of the situation of and the resources that they can either, you know, explore further or spread awareness. And um, I think I wanted to also create a very concise and approachable medium, um, which which is the menu, which is the first thing you get to see when you usually go to a restaurant. And did any interesting conversations happen around that time? Like, did it really spark the interest of usual customers or people who went there for the first time? That was definitely a lot of interest. Um, I think it was all over the news at, at the time as well. So even more so than the news, you know, the news is one thing to see the news and see what's happening. But another step is basically to see how they can help or, you know, where to learn more about it or how they can donate. There was a lot of interesting people that I personally met that were really curious about the situation. So it was it was a good um good campaign. Um I think I think a lot of people learned more about it and yeah, it was it was great to see the people's reactions as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely the perfect example as for how people could raise awareness about pressing issues in the society through food. And it really does sound like a very meaningful initiative that you did there. And moving on, I just want to learn a little bit more about Burmese foods by learning about the most common misconceptions that people would normally have when they hear about Burmese food. Most people tend to think that Burmese food is very spicy, very oily, and all very unhealthy. But not to say that there are no dishes like that, but there's, there's definitely dishes like that. But I think Burmese cuisine is, like I said, it's very diverse and versatile. Um, being a huge country, there's a lot of regional variances, like different flavor profiles, different spice levels. Um, there is a lot of, a bit of oil in the, in the curry dishes, but I think Burmese food spans beyond the curries and the rice, like salads, or like a thoat, they are basically play a large role in the cuisine. Um, many salads are used with fresh produce grown locally, again, with many regional variations. And when I was reading an article in a recent Eater magazine, a New York edition, a Burmese food store owner said he had to put on a performance of um, stretching palata dough and translate Burmese cuisine by saying, oh, this is something similar to roti or like this is something similar to hummus to tempt people to even give Burmese food a try. As someone who runs a Burmese restaurant in Hong Kong, can you relate to the situation? Have you ever faced something similar when you're trying to introduce Burmese food to people who have never tried it? For sure. I mean, unfortunately, like I said, Burmese cuisine is very still new and elusive to most people. Uh, because of that, there's a lot of comparisons to other dishes to, in different cuisines and certain words have to be used while describing specific kind of dishes. Like, for example, I remember we had uh, a jaw zone, which is like, you know, deep fried Burmese fritters. And I remember people didn't understand it. So I had to use the word tempura to, to kind of describe. And even though that's not very accurate, 
that that gives them an idea of what it's going to be like. So that's one of my one of my personal experiences that I I, I realized to, to have the similar situation. Yeah. And how did that make you feel? Did you wish, oh, I wish I didn't have to translate my food this way? Or would you think it's okay, like, as long as people could understand a little bit more about the food? To be honest with that, I think it just reaffirms why I do what I do, right? Like, I want to put the Burmese cuisine on the map. So for more people around the world can easily have, you know, knowledge and easily access the food and to be more aware of the cuisine. So rather than having to keep describing Burmese food relative to something else or another cuisine, I want the Burmese food to be like should already be a standard itself, like like many of our Southeast Asian neighbors. Yeah. And as a tea lover myself, I'm super curious because I know for Asian countries, Burma also has its own tea culture. And I know that in your restaurant on your dessert menu, you also serve a milk tea ice cream. So can you tell us about, you know, what really defines the Burmese tea culture? And how is Burmese milk tea different from other milk tea in Asia? So I think tea culture, again, is a very communal one. Like tea shops are pretty much everywhere across each district, each neighborhood. Like it's it's probably the one common thing that each, you know, every neighborhood has, which kind of welcomes every everyone in the neighborhood to come by. Um, I think it's just not, to be honest, just not about the tea itself. It's about the environment and atmosphere that it fosters. Um, people from like all walks of life go to, go to tea shops to catch up with friends People like people watch, like, you know, people sit down and they just sit there for for a long time. Um, you know, um, I think it's it's really, really interesting. I've seen people from literally if you walk down Yango and you'd see like from like taxi drivers to like, you know, different, different, like a whole different, a lot of people go there. I think with Burmese tea, um, I think there's a lot of variations to how Burmese milk tea can be made. Um in, in terms of like the ratios of evaporated milk, condensed milk, and the actual black tea. So for example, my favorite would be a pot saint. So that basically means mild and less sweet. So that would consist of a little more evaporated milk than condensed milk with less tea in general. So there's different terms for different types of milk tea that you, you usually order at a, at a tea shop. And I know you mentioned a little bit about Burmese culture through how its cuisine is consumed and served. But in essence, what can people actually learn about the Burmese culture through its cuisine and the dining experience? I think you can immediately tell that community already that what I've mentioned is a huge part of the culture, just based on the customs of communal dining and how it's embedded to the cuisine itself. Um, sharing food among the table is very common. With that also comes the importance of hospitality across the culture. Burmese people always have the desire to feed others, um, share food regardless whether it's a special occasion or not. Um, in Burmese, like when someone asks someone else, like, sabi bila, which means like, have you eaten more than how are you? <laughs> like, for example, like if someone meets someone, that would be, that would be like a usual, you know, a usual greeting. So sometimes people could start off a whole conversation by asking, have you eaten? Yeah, it's basically it'll be like, oh, hey, have you eaten? Like that would that would literally be like a, a very normal conversation starter. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting. I mean, as I continue yeah. to do more episodes for Proudly Asian, I do see a lot of Asian cuisines have the similarities of communal feasting, you know, feeding yeah. a lot of people. It's just a lot of Asian cultures and cuisines are so welcoming yeah. for those who would like to learn more about them. But here's a personal question for you, Nelson. What's your absolute favorite Burmese dish? I think it has to be Mohenga. Um, or it's our national dish for a reason. Like I said, I can eat it 
any time of the day and I can never turn down a bowl of it. Every time I still go to Club Rangoon, I'm always in, in two minds. Should I have it? Should I not? So it's my national, uh, it's my favorite dish for sure. Nice. And do you cook your own? Do you have kind of like a secret recipe that you always go by? Yeah, so we have it. Um, so this kind, this recipe is kind of like, you know, we, 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 I mean, we trying to trim, like, like I said, different states have different variations um, of Mohinga. So if you go a little bit more to the states that are closer, let's say to Thailand, um, the Mohinga tends to be a little bit more spicy, sour. So there's different variations and our, our, our ones made the, the Yangon way. Nice. Yeah. I mean, for those who are in Hong Kong, I strongly recommend you to go check out Club Rangoon, which is the restaurant run by Nelson. You should go try out all the delicious Burmese dishes. But now it's time for us to move on to the next segment, which is Rapid Bias. In this segment, I'll be asking my guests biased questions they've got asked at some points in life and also some common biased questions that Nelson gets asked a lot as well. So, Nelson, are you ready? Yes. All right, let's go. First question, where is Myanmar? Never heard of it. Yeah, honestly, I'm really, really surprised that people are still asking me me this. Um, I don't know, maybe look it up. That's, that's my answer because I usually have to tell them it's near Thailand, it's near this, near that, but I'm just going to start saying just to look it up. Yeah, use Google Map. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, second question. Burmese food is really spicy, right? Burmese food can be really spicy, um, but it's also sour. It's also bitter, sweet, salty, cool, hot, everything in between. And isn't Burmese food quite oily and unhealthy? Um, to answer that, actually, like I said, at, at its core, Burmese food is quite un- unhealthy, but because we also use a lot of fresh local produce, herbs, spices that are good for us, I think most people perceive Burmese food to be quite heavy, rich, curry-like. Um, you know, like I said, Myanmar being diverse and being a big country, it's also reflected in the cuisine itself. There's so many options out there. If you choose like a healthier options, there's different salads. Um, some dishes do use MSG, but contrary to popular belief, MSG is actually not proven to be quite unhealthy. It's naturally occurring in food like cheeses, tomatoes, and many other vegetables as well. So it's in, in sport, it's quite important to establish what we're measuring health against. Is it against uh, maybe a Western idea of what clean eating is, right? Like what we can, there's different ways to, to I would say, measure, measure that, yeah. Next question. Burmese food is meant to be cheap, right? I think in general, when it comes to Asian food, Southeast Asian food, being cheap is often being equated with being authentic. Uh, but I think it's important to acknowledge that the, the potential of Asian cuisine and how ultimately it can be harmful if we continue to, you know, undervalue Asian dishes because we think that a certain stereotype that Asian food is fast, it's cheap, it's no frills, like, you know, but the reality, I think, is there's so much that goes into it, like the, the techniques that have been perfected across different generations, like, you know, different ways, like, you know, it's labor, the quality ingredients. I think the creativity of the chefs, all the restaurant owners all go into it. So I think if you're paying, let's say, um, hundred Hong Kong dollars for a juicy burger, um, why well, we should not be willing to pay for the same delicious bowl of amazing Mohinga? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next question. Nelson, why is your English so good if you're from Myanmar? This, um, sometimes I don't bother explaining it. I just 
look away and and turn around and say why not i mean it's i think it's a lot a lot of asians do get this as well as soon as especially we're in a western country yeah this is a boss case for me <laughs> <laughs> and last question myanmar is not safe i think with the current circumstances and the ongoing coup means that the city is unstable um but generally the people of myanmar are some of the most hospitable and welcoming um i think our culture inherits friendliness i think it would be as safe as any other big city otherwise mm, thank you for doing this round of rapid bias and answering all the tough questions nelson no worries To conclude the episode, I have a language question for you. Other than the basics, what is one phrase in Burmese that you think is very significant to the country's people that you would like to teach our audience about? Uh, I would say sabi bila. Um, it basically means have you eaten. I like I said, it's very versatile line. I can go from asking your family members just you know as easy as sabi bila or even as a pickup line if you're if you're burmese and you're listening to this podcast you know what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> well i absolutely have no idea <laughs> I, I told you it's very versatile it's it's it's, tre- it's trendy now it's trendy now I see. I see. Okay. Maybe um I don't know if someone says that to me <laughs> and if it happens to be Burmese then maybe I I'll, I'll know it has some other <laughs> hidden meanings. But for those who would like to try out Burmese cuisine in Hong Kong or just try out some other of your restaurants, where can they find you? So they can find me at 33 Aberdeen Street. That's where Club Rangoon is located or two of other other outlets called Yen. Uh it's a Nordic cafe on Hollywood Road, um right across Menmo Temple. And you can also find me at Candor uh, at 65 Peel Street. It's our new um, hip-hop bar that we launched a few months ago. And finally, to conclude the episode, Nelson, what does it mean to be proudly Burmese to you? To be proudly Burmese means to be proud of the humanity, the generosity and the kindness of our people, and to be proud of the resilience that our people have shown throughout the past year. Thank you so much for joining us on Proudly Asian, Nelson. It was nice having you. It was very nice talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this episode of Proudly Asian. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at proudly.asian for more content. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review on wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in and signing off for now. I'm Isabel Wong. Just-